0: Have so much to talk about.
1: So much to talk about.
0: So (laughs) let's get to it. This is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses, freshly back from New Orleans, Louisiana. Nola, baby.
1: Nola. We're swollen. Our skin is glowing from the humidity.
0: (gasps) And we're ready to talk ghosts. All about ghosts. Well, that's Corinne, and I'm Sabrina. And yes, we are very swollen. We drank and ate our way through the city. And, I mean, Corinne, I know you're probably going to... We danced our way through the city, too, so we were always on our feet. We were. And I was proud of myself. I usually hate heels, but I walked in heels every single day we were there. Yeah, I'm actually shocked you were able to do that. Proud of myself. I had to borrow our friend Allie's...
1: Sneakers? Sneakers. (laughs) The the second night, I couldn't do it. I couldn't hang with (laughs) the cool kids. And your
0: shoes were so cute, too. Thank you. I did plan my outfits pretty thoroughly for the weekend. You did a great job. Thank you. Okay, so... I feel like we have to lead with this, and I feel like you're going to talk about it because it's what you're covering today. Yeah, like I'm going to name the episode after it, I think. Okay, but we have to talk about it. We caught a ghost on camera, (laughs) (laughs) but more specifically, this ghost must have known that our podcast is Two Girls, One Ghost, because it showed us something very phallic, aka its penis.
1: It's a ghost ghost penis. penis. We literally, like... (laughs) It sounds crazy. And at first when we were looking at it, we were like, "Ha, ghost penis. But then when we were looking at all of the other photos we took, there's literally no explanation for this random blue penis
0: (laughs) just suddenly appearing. And it's kind of like spectral, it's see-through, but it's like blue and it just straight up looks like a penis. And it's behind our friend Scout's face. It's like coming out of her nose, basically. (laughs) And Corinne will go into it more, but, like, we went on this ghost tour, and we stopped at Lafitte's Blacksmith, which is now a bar. And they told us that, like, in the fireplace, when people take photos, sometimes they catch his face, this ghost's face. So we were taking photos, whatever, and then I look back at them later at the night. And the one photo that is not a live photo. The only photo that's not a live photo. photo. Out of the, like, hundred we all took
1: collectively. And
0: I took this photo, like, seconds after taking other photos. And then I took more photos seconds afterwards. So, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, there's no explanation other than this ghost knew we have this podcast and knew we were on a bachelorette party and showed us its penis. Yeah,
1: I mean, you don't need Snapchat these (laughs) days. You don't need direct messages from Instagram all you need to go to is Lafitte's blacksmith shop bar and you will get an unwarranted, unwanted, but now wanted photo of a penis. Yeah. So. All your dreams come true. <laughs> Well, okay. So I'm going to go into this later when I talk about the research. But And if anyone didn't get it by now, I'm doing Lafitte's as (laughs) as my story. It said if you post up right in front of that furnace, that is the spot. You're guaranteed the most amount of activity, essentially. So it's ironic that we didn't really know that. We just went in trying to take the pictures of the face that we had heard about on our tour. But there we go.
0: There we go. We got something.
1: My God. We were on alert, too, because... (laughs) There was another point. I don't remember what night it was. But someone was like, oh, my God, the curtain moved up there. And I just stand there and I stare at this one curtain on, like, a third floor of a building for, I don't know, maybe three minutes. Oh, my God. I don't remember that. You don't remember? And Mm -hmm. I took a million pictures of it. And I was like, I'm going to catch this ghost, like, peeking behind the curtain again. And then I realized as I kept watching, I was like. Okay, all the lights are off in there, but I definitely can see a ceiling fan going. That's someone's apartment. Like, someone just closed their own curtain. But one of our friends was like, oh. Oh, I do remember that. We were outside on Frenchman Street. Yeah. 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 So you forget that there's so many people, like, so many of the haunted places in New Orleans are now hotels, mm-hmm. they're bars. A lot of them are condos and apartments. apartments? Like, people live there. Yeah. You stop outside of these places and they're calling it like a meat stew of body parts by how many people were bludgeoned and murdered. This was outside of the Sultan's house, which we had covered. Like these people are just inside of their apartments listening to tours talk about yes. the brutality that happened inside of
0: their home. Well, they also get to listen to amazing jazz music and a lot of drunk people True. like stumbling outside of their home. So pros and cons. It was an incredible trip and... Did you have fun? I had so much fun. We all dressed up as vampires on Saturday night and did a ghost tour as vampires. But the amount of people who like stopped in their tracks to look at us, because we all were wearing vampire fangs and like stopped and they were like staring, confused, and would approach us and be like, What? And there was, yeah. one, we were all like, Yeah, we were born with these. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did hiss well, at it's someone. It's funny because. You did. I, I did. remember I was there. They were it being inappropriate. Yeah,
1: it's a drunk touristy place. And so there's going to be a lot of drunk idiots, especially when there's a group of eight women dressed up approaching yeah. us. And Sabrina just turned and hissed with her face. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting because I think people were at the drunk enough level. And also so many people are on ghost tours. And so mm-hmm. I think people learned a lot about vampires. And there were definitely a few people that I could tell in their faces that they were like holy shit did i actually just see a vampire yeah people were truly confused it wasn't just like oh cool look those girls have fangs and it was like oh, what
0: did i just see like people were cautious and mm-hmm. nervous and we were the casket yeah. girls Which is another thing that's so funny because we did this ghost tour. What was the company again, Karen? You set it up. So give them a shout out. It was French Quarter Phantoms. Okay. And shout out to Spooky Lukey, who was our tour guide. (laughs) We berated him with questions and he was very patient with us. It was either
1: Sabrina running to the front or me running (laughs) to the front and standing right next to him as we walked between spot between spot and being like, okay, now what's this? Okay, what's that?
0: And he probably just wanted a break.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then one of our friends was like, they have a podcast. And he's like, okay. Like, he didn't care. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, moving on.
0: But then (laughs) I did talk his ear off about the podcast. He laughed at our name. Oh, good. So we're on the ghost tour. We go to, like, multiple locations, many of which we had heard about. But it's so funny because we stop outside of the Sultan's Palace and you start hearing the story and Corinne's like, oh, this is crazy. And I was like, Corinne, you covered this on the podcast. (laughs) I was like, no, no, I don't think I did. (laughs) And then we end at the old Ursuline convent and we're hearing this story about these two investigators who were trying to catch the vampires up on the third floor and how they like were found murdered the next morning and like all the blood had been drained from their bodies. And I look at Corinne and I'm like, oh my God, I have to do this for the podcast this week. And today I started...
1: we were like texting about it. We're like, we can't stop thinking about right.
0: this. This is such a wild,
1: wild story. I can't believe not everyone's talking about it. Yeah. This.
0: And it's funny because I know the story of the casket girls because I remember doing that, but I just didn't connect it to the old Ursuline convent. And then I started doing the research and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've definitely done this. And so I had to go back and listen to episode 97 and I entertained the hell out of myself. So congrats to past me. But sure enough, we both forgot the things that we have researched in the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're like, you know.
1: Three, four hundred episodes yeah. in. <laughs> That's hard true. hard to remember
0: all of the topics That's and what true. happens and what story. But it also proves that those stories are so fascinating that, like, anytime you hear them, they're just so intriguing and captivating. It's just shocking. Yeah. Right. Oh, my gosh.
1: Oh, gosh. Nola has the best food. The best. I'll be thinking about those bacon-wrapped dates. I know you couldn't have couldn't any have because them. you're vegetarian. But man, oh, man. The fried green tomatoes. Mm. Fried green tomatoes. Even at the airport, we got what did we got? We got like some green bean thing. Oh, those and it was really so good. good. Oh man, all of it was amazing. People were cool. It was fun just seeing how many ghost tours were around mm-hmm. and just knowing that everywhere around us was like pretty much haunted. And also we got a DM on our Instagram from oh. our listener, Kate Elizabeth, and she saw us what she was like oh my god i almost died seeing you ladies out on bourbon the other night i didn't want to say anything because i know it's your private time but just know y'all looked amazing love
0: y'all and i was like oh my god
1: oh my god that's That's amazing also next time comes please say hi
0: we would have loved it i hope i wasn't doing anything embarrassing it also would have made us look really cool in front of everyone else that we're with i've always just wanted to be seen because i no one usually sees me oh okay i also need to shout out our other listener Who a while back, I think when we had first mentioned that we were going to New Orleans for my bachelorette, sent me a DM on – she slid into my DMs. I think her name is Wacy And she told us about this really cool, like, secret bar above the bar Fritzel's on Bourbon Street that is actually like a vampire lounge and you need a password to get in. And we went and had the best time ever – We like all had our vampire fangs in. We all went up there. We got absinthe and then we had our tarot cards read. It was delightful. Like I truly felt like a vampire from the 1920s like going to my secret hideaway to suck blood. Literally. And also when we went
1: in, there weren't that many people there too. So it felt like even more kind of exclusive. I think we there were way more people towards the end of the night, but we, we got there a little early. But it was awesome. Like they had in the bathroom, there were these amazing signs. These, oh my These like posted signs. Like one of them was, it said, I have a picture of it. It said, absolutely no shape shifting on the balcony. <laughs> Thank you, management. <laughs> and then there's another one, which is, please, if you leave your brooms overnight, please retrieve them in the morning as they get very restless. <laughs> Thank you,
0: the management. <gasps> it was a dream. We loved it. It was great. We also got tarot card readings yeah. at the Vampire Lounge. Yep. Yep. And then got to stand on the balcony and like look over Bourbon Street and watch all the drunk people stumble through the street. It was delightful. And our tarot card readings were pretty good. It's so good. I'm looking through our photos right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: I recently watched Paul Rudd on Hot Ones, and he makes his finger into a butt, and I made Sabrina look like she was behind a butt, and then I sent it to
0: Nick and was like, strippers. (laughs) (laughs) You did post it on your story, and then I think the next morning deleted it because you had regret. I deleted it. It it was
1: partial regret after remembering that I have coworkers and like my boss and people who follow me, and then I was like, oh, why did I do that? I left it for some time because I was like, "Yeah, do I delete it?" They got and good reaction. Everyone's already seen it. <laughs> People liked it. People
0: were there yeah. for it.
1: It was great. Our tarot card readings, I think, were also pretty damn accurate. The woman who did them, she wasn't like channeling spirit or anything. She was just straight up reading, reading cards. Yeah, what the cards meant, but still. There were four of us who got readings, and if any of us had gotten the other person's reading, it would have been wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They were all pretty accurate. They were pretty accurate. I'm just waiting for... Yeah, I'm I'm getting
1: another reading. I had scheduled myself for, like, two or three weeks out with this one woman, who I'll, I'll talk about once it happens, but <gasps> I really wanted to get that reading in Noah because I wanted to do kind of, like, notes, yeah, like, comparison what, side by side. Ooh.
0: What is it like? It was so fun. I could go back tomorrow. Our Airbnb was awesome, too. It was. It really was. I just had a blast. I feel like everyone – I highly recommend having a bachelorette, even if you're not getting married. Just do it because it's fun. Like for your birthday. (laughs) Like a a girl's trip. Yeah, basically. But make it about you. (laughs) (laughs) A girl's
1: trip. Yeah. I guess just go to New Orleans. The one thing that we didn't get to do, which if we had had more time, would have – elected for all of us to do is to go into the cemeteries because yeah. they don't bury their dead below the ground yep. because of the hurricanes and the wetness mm-hmm. and stuff they could just slip on out so it's very different than what i've ever seen before so yeah but we drove by a million of them there it was very fascinating looking we'll
0: have to go again and i also want to do a swamp tour which is not ghost related but would just be yes fun. go down to the bayou go down to the bayou oh
1: now I'm thinking of all the food. I actually have no interest in doing a swamp tour because I am totally afraid of alligators. Well, you're not, like, <laughs> swimming in the swamp. I know, but then they put food over the edge and, like, get them to jump out sometimes and um, come towards the boat. I just – I would just really have to, like, fully trust with all my heart every single person in yeah. that boat to not, like, rock it or do something stupid. Yeah.
0: We would have to and do, and I like, like, a think, private one with just our friends so that we trust the people. But I don't trust all of our friends. Who do you not trust? Name their names right now on on the <laughs> I'm
1: podcast. <gonna> say, <laughs> any bit of drink in any of them? None of them. That's true. That's true. So <laughs> we have to do it first thing in the morning before we drink. Yeah, and like hungover sober think, activity. So that the people that could be rowdy sober are are just like laid out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you go. I'll stay at home. Okay. I'll just hang out
0: eating cereal back in the with house with the ghosts. Oh, there's one more thing that I wanted to say about New Orleans. Yes. Which, by the way, this whole episode is New Orleans themed because we can't stop talking about it. Oh, yeah. So enjoy. So on Thursday, my sister and I flew into New Orleans early and we just like on Friday before everyone got in, we're wandering around the French Quarter and like just going into shops and stuff. And we've walked into this voodoo shop and I took a photo of it, but I like don't want to say the name of it because I don't want to like, I don't know, say anything bad and then be cursed. But I truly walked in and it was so chilling and so unsettling in that place. Like I truly like was hugging myself and I was like, don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. Like walk around, get out. Because my sister was like, ooh, this is cool. And she almost touched something. And I was like, don't touch anything. I just oh had gosh. such a bad vibe from it. And the second we left, I felt a million times better. I'm just really
1: curious if it was something in the shop, if it's the space, like the building itself, if people are in there practicing a bad form of voodoo mm-hmm. that has created a bad energy or like is someone in there that was in there the same time as you possessed
0: or haunted or yeah. like is something clinging to them i don't know because there was also this structure or altar in the middle of the shop where people could leave offerings and i felt like that could also be a source of like the bad energy if people are leaving offerings for like a negative thing or asking for something negative i don't know it just gave me bad vibes oh
1: god okay is that the only voodoo shop you went into yeah
0: yeah and it wasn't the marie laveau's voodoo shop
1: no can you say where it is in the french quarter well there's probably a bunch of them like do, do you remember know. the street
0: no i don't remember the street
1: oh are you thinking someone's gonna be like send a voodoo curse to you yeah i don't want that you said this about your yeah. shop yeah okay then you don't have to say anything
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I don't want to say...
1: I'm, like, nervous to even say it out loud. Then don't. Then don't. It's fine. Okay, I'm sending you a picture, though, so you can see it. Do you remember a few years back when we were convinced we were hexed? And I truly think we were, because for, like, two, three, four months, it was
0: really, really bad. Yeah, we could hardly record an episode without something going wrong. It was bad. Okay, but enough of bad things. Let's talk good things, which is haunted New Orleans. Is it good... (laughs) Mine's not terrible. (laughs) What'd you choose? Well, mine's kind of terrible, but not terrible, terrible, terrible. Okay. Okay. So on our ghost tour, we stopped at, I think it was one of the first stops. It was the Andrew Jackson Hotel Hotel. And like Bourbon Street's just down the street, we hear all the jazz music. It's calling us. It's beckoning us. But then Spooky Lukey starts diving into the hotel, and (laughs) I was like, "I'm in!" And my attention was peaked. And even our friend Allie, who's like terrified of everything scary, was in. She even told me later, she's like, "I think I could do more of these." She liked it. Well, I think maybe I'm putting those words into her mouth, but she did say she she didn't wasn't scared. Well.
1: Yeah, she asked me a lot about the ghost tour because I think there were a few people who were nervous going yeah. in and I said, I picked one with the whole group in mind. Mm-hmm. If it were just Sabrina and I, we'd be in some abandoned asylum <laughs> somewhere. But that will is not what we're doing to you.
0: Yeah. No, it was great. And so while we were there, so Spooky Lukey tells us a few things and, about the hotel. And then a few of the girls in our group had to go to the bathroom. So like they run to the hotel to go to the bathroom. And naturally Corinne follows after them. I think she's going to the bathroom. But then I see like the back of Corinne's head standing outside and was like, what is she doing? So of course I run over and naturally Corinne has asked the bellman for ghost stories and if the hotel is haunted. And sure enough, he had a tale to tell. And he said that he had not seen any physical spirits, but that many guests report seeing something. And there was this one story that he was like, this is the one thing that's like most clear in my head. He said there was a man who was staying by himself. I think he said in block five, but I don't necessarily know what that Yeah, means. he did. Okay. Yes. And the guy had checked in and started to settle in for the night. And was, like, going to sleep. And then all of a sudden, the bellman receives, like, a frantic phone call from this guest saying, I need to move rooms. But he's, like, so frazzled and horrified that he can't really express what scared him. And he doesn't want to talk about it. But next thing he knows, like, the bellman sees, like, the man's, like, throwing his bags basically outside of the hotel room. And he's, like, coming, running out. And he just, like, refused to go back in the room. And then he changed rooms and never complained again. So what he saw... And what scared him so terribly to change rooms, we don't know. But I can tell you the spirits and the history of this hotel, and maybe we can figure it out. So the Andrew Jackson Hotel is self-proclaimed historic, charming, and quite possibly haunted. But also, let's be honest, what place in New Orleans is not haunted? (laughs) Seriously. So the 18th century European-style hotel is a local treasure, and it's just steps away from the Bourbon Street Jazz clubs, the cat's meow, which we hit up and we crushed karaoke on that stage and many other <laughs> historic haunts. It is listed on the National Register of Historic Places and boasts a stunning hotel with beautiful rooms with the iconic wrought iron balconies and is furnished with a lot of old, antique, old world pieces. But before the Andrew Jackson Hotel was a luxurious hotel, It went through its fair share of tragedy, and the site was originally a boarding school and orphanage for boys who had lost their parents to yellow fever. So apparently, I did a little bit of research, but apparently in the 18th century, New Orleans was, quote-unquote, the epicenter of disease, death, and destitution. And yellow fever basically struck... The New Orleans area and was like very devastating. It took a tragic toll on the people living there, especially adults. And it unfortunately left a lot of kids orphaned. So the Spanish colonial government had to take action to provide shelter for these orphaned children. And they built this orphanage for boys in 1792. And they called it a boarding school, probably to make it sound a little bit nicer for these children. Mm. So it was built in 1792. And unfortunately, just two years later, tragedy struck, and in December of 1794, there were massive fires that consumed much of New Orleans and all these old buildings that are no longer there, unfortunately, because this fire destroyed them, and the orphanage was one of the unlucky buildings. It destroyed the orphanage, and while those running the boarding home tried to evacuate the children out as quickly as possible— the flames were violent and quick-moving, and five young boys did not make it out. They tragically perished in the fire. And today, people swear to see and hear the boys running around the hotel, but the hotel also seems to have attracted many more ghosts since the fire in 1794. So after the fire, the building was quickly rebuilt and continued to operate until the turn of the 20th century, when it then became a courthouse, and the chaos and crazy political stuff that happened during its time as a courthouse is how the hotel Andrew Jackson got its namesake. So because in December of 1814, then-General Andrew Jackson arrived in New Orleans to bolster the city's defenses against a possible British invasion. So Andrew Jackson, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with his name because he then went on to be a U.S. president— But at the time, he was a general, and he declared martial law against the British as a military defense. And it worked, and they won the Battle of New Orleans in January of 1815. But despite their victory, Andrew Jackson kept this martial law in place and kept it in place for months, which kind of is like a weird military rule of the state and city. And everyone, including the state senators, started being like, this is weird and shady. They had a bad taste about it in their mouths. And... They are like, what is Andrew Jackson doing? What is he planning? Why is he basically holding the state captive? And the senator starts like publicly calling out Jackson. And so what does Andrew Jackson do? He has this senator arrested. And the judge at the time, Judge Hall, orders Andrew Jackson to release the senator. So naturally, Andrew Jackson has the judge imprisoned as well. Oh my god! It was just a law and order mess. So finally... Andrew Jackson lifts the martial law. And I'm telling you, like, the very, very brief history of this just for the sake of the story related to the Andrew Jackson Hotel. I'm sure there is Mm -hmm. so much more that—I don't know. Anyway, there's more details. But finally, he lifts the martial law, and which, in lifting the martial law, the judge was let out of jail. But he comes out of jail with a vengeance and charges Andrew Jackson with contempt and forces him to stand trial. But at trial, Jackson refuses to answer any questions, and then the judge— charges him with obstruction of justice, and the judge and Andrew Jackson are just, like, fighting with each other, and it's, you know, no one's seeing eye to eye. So finally, the judge is like, fine, this can all be over if, Andrew, you pay a fine of a $1,000, which is the equivalent of $20,500 today. So Andrew Jackson pays. But then, in 1829, Andrew Jackson becomes the seventh president of the United States and makes a very big name for himself, even if he's controversial today. And wildly enough, Andrew Jackson never gets over his rift with Judge Hall. And in 1844, a year before his death, he and Congress order that Judge Hall repay Andrew Jackson for the fine that he charged him back in early 1814 or whatever the, the time was, and that this judge must pay it with interest. So Judge Hall was ordered to pay Jackson $2,700 which is the equivalent of $97,810 today. So there's just like all this drama and Andrew Jackson just cannot let go of it. And while he didn't die there and the courthouse, like it's no longer a courthouse anymore, Andrew Jackson's spirit is commonly seen at the Andrew Jackson Hotel. And I believe the hotel was named after him because of this drama that happened at the courthouse because it's hysterical and ridiculous. But he is seen kind of like Parading through the halls, like with like a little smirk on his face, like he owns the place. Well, it's named after him. <laughs> it's named so. after him, and it's probably because like in the end he won against Judge Hall, so he's kind of rubbing it in the guy's face. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he just
1: really liked detention. Like I'm just thinking, like what if you had a, a statue erected in your honor and your ghost was just always hanging by it, like hey, hey, you recognize? Do you recognize that person? Do you do you see me? It just feels a little like look at look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, I mean.
0: Yeah. Who knows? He he doesn't really seem to do much other than just walk through the halls for the grin and then just like disappear. Okay. So maybe living, he's Living just, up the old times. Yeah. Remembering his victories. Maybe. So the courthouse stayed a courthouse and it was home to lots of drama, but otherwise tragedy free. And then the building was demolished in the early 1900s. And then the structure that is now the Andrew Jackson Hotel was constructed in its place and is now one of the most stayed in and visited hotels in the French Quarter. And there are so many ghosts who haunt the halls. So the most commonly seen and experienced haunting is that of the five orphaned boys that perished in the 1794 New Orleans blaze. Guests will hear their laughter and hear their footsteps as the boys run around the hotel and play outside in the courtyard. And the hauntings are all pretty similar. Like the boys are really playful, But they also like to pull pranks. They'll turn TVs on and off in the middle of the night. They'll like hide things. They'll run through people's rooms in the middle of the night. Like they're noisy because they're just boys, just playing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so while we were on our ghost tour, Spooky Lukey told us of a tour group that was snapping photos outside of the hotel. And one person was shocked to find amidst all of the photos that he was taking, there was like, you know. A bunch of photos of like the empty hotel front. So, like, there was no one outside. And then, amidst all of those, there's one photo where there are very clearly five spectral beings running around on the sidewalk. And this person on the tour clearly caught the five orphans playing outside of the hotel.
1: Yeah. And he said their clothing was clearly, yeah. they were wearing
0: these like white old
1: blouses that were clearly from the 18th century.
0: Yeah. And then there's room 208, which is the room that you're most likely to experience a haunting, if that's your thing, which I wonder if this is the room that the guy who like left his bags outside of his room, the bellman, told us of, if this is the room he stayed Mm. in, because it's like most people who stay in this room have an experience. But it's interesting because I feel like the hotel on their website talks very openly about the ghost, so I feel like you would imagine – That checking in, they would say, hey, you're staying in a room that's pretty haunted. Like, would you prefer to stay somewhere else?
1: I just love that in so many other towns and cities, hotels do a lot to try to cover up hauntings. And yet in New
0: Orleans, it's a point of pride. It's part of the culture. It's just like, that's who they are. It is. So room 208 is known to be the most haunted room in the whole hotel. And the hauntings are often accredited to a young boy named Armand. Armand was one of the five boys who died in the 1794 fires, and there's some speculation about his death specifically. I don't know where it comes from, but I think there's just a lot of unclarity in terms of the fire and, like, how these boys died specifically, and then there's also, like, I didn't go down this hole, but there was, like, this one hole that was, like, the fire never affected the building, and, like, I don't know. I didn't go there. I was just, like, I'm just going to stick with the fire, because that's what Spooky Lukey <laughs> told us. Anyway. There is some speculation that Armand was actually thrown from the second floor building during the fire to prevent him from dying from the flames, but that the fall is what killed him. And then others speculate that he jumped from the balcony to prevent dying in the fire. But I don't know. It's not clear. But what is clear is that Armand likes to play games with the guests. Guests claim to feel something cold touch their skin in room 208. Others have had their sheets pulled around them at night. And others have even been pushed out of their beds in the middle of the night. Armand will turn lights on and off and plays with running water in the room, so he'll turn on the sink and shower. He also likes to move people's personal belongings around the room. And sometimes he steals things and never brings them back. And while that may be a nuisance, guests all agree that Armand's spirit never seems malicious, but he's playful and sweet I mean, after all, he's a child from the 1700s, so I bet he's just excited and fascinated by the very different and unique and cool trinkets of today's society. Like, I don't blame him for stealing things. Like, it's the way that we collect antiques. He's collecting today's mm-hmm. new things. Oh, that's so
1: interesting. <laughs> how, what, Like, we go antiquing, but how do you even, what do you even call someone who steals from the future? <laughs> um, I guess we just call that time travel.
0: Yeah. Or, or ghostly Or just antics. ghostly antics. I like love to think that he has this weird hidey hole somewhere in the hotel, like under a floorboard or under the building, <laughs> and that one day someone's gonna like stumble into it and it's just this like mass of belongings and years of guest stolen belongings. It just
1: reminds me of crows. You know how they collect things. And if they really like you, if they befriend you, they'll bring you presents. They'll, I didn't like, know steal that. things from other people's yards and give them wow. to you. Wow.
0: Yeah, so be nice to crows. I'm gonna befriend crows. Wait, cool. Oh my god, I wanna be the crow lady. <gasps> Do it. Oh my god, that no, would be the cat lady. so fun. No, but like. You could be both. I could be both. And what if you can like beckon the crows? And then like. You need
1: to live at the corner house in the old Victorian mansion that's like slightly up on it. Mm, and all the
0: crows are like and on all the, the crows roof. Just, ah! Ah! I feel yes. like that's very the evil witch in Rapun. No, not Rapunzel. In Snow White? No. Sleeping Beauty. The last common haunting is a little bit of a mystery because no one really knows who to credit this to, whereas the boys kind of seem, you know, they can trace it back to the fire and everything. But many people in the hotel will spot a woman straightening up hotel rooms, like fluffing pillows and rearranging furniture. And there's a lot of debate over who she is because there's no record of a woman dying on the property. So some believe she was a caretaker of the young boys, or perhaps a former housekeeper of the hotel but no one could be certain but she is a very helpful ghost who loves to keep a tidy hotel but many get but many ghosts have been spooked i meant many guests have been spooked <laughs> but many guests have been spooked when entering the hotel room to find a woman karate chopping the pillows on their bed and tidying up their belongings and okay so i'll leave you with a story of a investigation that happened in the Andrew Jackson Hotel, specifically in Room 208. So there's another tour group called Ghost City Tours, and they had the chance to investigate Room 208 back in 2017. So they sent paranormal investigator and voodoo priest Michael Bill and another investigator, Elaine, to spend the night in the illustrious hotel for an overnight ghost hunt. So they came with, like, all their equipment to detect the spirits, and they checked in. They got their key for Room 208, They go up to room 208. They swipe the key in front of the door, but nothing. It doesn't work. They can't open the door. So like weird, maybe they didn't activate the card or the key. So they go back down to the front desk and they're like, no, it's activated. But they give them a new one anyway. And they go back up. Sure enough, same thing. They can't get in. The door does not budge. And finally, a housekeeper has to open the door for them. And she has no problem getting in. And she was like, I must have the magical touch. But... Three keys later, Michael and Elaine still were having trouble getting into the room. And Michael then puts, like, the key up to the door and has, like, a wooden cross in his hand. And he's praying and he's just asking entry into the room. But instead of the key working, all of a sudden the wooden cross snaps in half and, like, falls to the floor. Broken. And Michael and Elaine were just like, that's so weird. How did this – like, how – whatever force was in there broke – a wooden cross basically in half which feels super yes ominous and unsettling and like as if it does not want you in which is so weird because it's so different from all the hauntings that are traditionally said to happen in the hotel like i feel like most of them are pretty benign and for this thing or entity to break across feels very very malicious and evil
1: yeah and the splintering of wood it just reminds me of since we're talking about new orleans like driving a wooden stake through a yeah. vampire's heart like it's
0: just creating a weapon yeah So right away, Michael and Elaine are like, we feel unwelcomed, but they committed to this investigation. So they set up their equipment in the hotel room and then leave for like a couple hours to go do a ghost tour. And they return to the room around 10 p.m. And then they start doing EVP sessions with the spirits in the room. They first ask, is anyone here with us? Are the ghosts of the little boys who died in the fire here with us now? And they get silence. And although they were getting the silent treatment, both Michael and Aline had an intense feeling of being watched. So they decide to play back their recordings, and sure enough, they hear a distinct voice calling out the name, Sarah. So then they try to speak to Sarah, or whoever's calling the name Sarah, and they're peppering the spirit with questions, and like the meters are blinking, lights start to flicker, it's like crazy, but they're not getting any responses per se. So they still don't know who Sarah is. And then all of a sudden, things like calm down, and the temperature in the room changes, And they hear the voice of a little boy saying his name was Thomas. Oh. And Michael and Elaine ask if he's one of the little boys who died in the fire. And all of a sudden, the single voice of Thomas becomes like a cacophony of little boys' voices. And they all are saying, we are hiding. And Michael and Elaine were like, one, super enthused that they were getting this like crazy active energy and all these spirits coming through. But they were also kind of off-put. Like, where are you hiding? They were like, where can we find you? And all of the boys respond. It's like a weird thing for them all to respond in unison. But they're like, come and find us in the back house. And Michael and Elaine are trying to ask more questions. And all of a sudden, the spirits leave them with one last chilling comment. And they say, save us. And the session ends. And like the room, the energy, the temperature, everything like goes back to normal. Like it's almost –
1: full body chills right now
0: listening to this. Yeah. Like, it feels like they, like, slipped through a veil and then they came back out, like, with a snap of energy.
1: But I also don't trust that it actually was them. I don't know, with, like, the breaking of the key and the other whispers that people had heard yeah. in their ears, wasn't that a female? Yeah, one saying Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It just feels so incredibly different and so direct that yeah. it makes me feel like there's something dark that's trying to lure them in and,
0: and use the story of these lost little boys. Yeah. I mean, it's possible because, like, I just feel like any type of spirit can travel through New Orleans. Like, I feel like all of New Orleans is just, like, a vortex, a portal for the paranormal <laughs> just because they're also paranormally active. So I I believe that while this room traditionally is haunted by Armand the, and the spirits of these little boys who died, it's very possible that, like, demon Beelzebub can pop up and be like, I'm Thomas. Yeah, it's disturbing, and I—they're
1: brave for even. And, yeah, I mean it's their job. That's what they do. So true. <laughs> I'd be running out the first <laughs> time I ever catch an EVP. I'd be screaming, but it would be
0: fun. This is the difference between you <laughs> and I, right here. I would lock the door, and you wouldn't be able to leave.
1: <laughs> the whole weekend <laughs> when we—or not the whole weekend, but when we were doing the ghost tour—every time Spooky Lukey was saying anything, like, and then blah 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 blah, and you'd be like, Corinne, Corinne, like, should we be here? Should we go there? And I was like.
0: No, no. I did ask if you wanted to stake out old Ursuline convent after he said the two women were brutally murdered. I was
1: I was mad. I was like, are you kidding? Because the whole tour, like, turned and looked. Because you were like, Corinne, we would do that. And I was like, absolutely not. You like, absolutely not. not. Do I want to get 97% of the blood drained out of me by a vampire? No, I do not. It was only 93%. <laughs> Still good. <dead.
0: laughs> <laughs> So basically, Michael and Elaine the next day inquire with the front desk about the back house, but the hotel didn't have a traditional back house, only a shed for storage. So they like, you know, maybe it was the back house of the orphanage or they couldn't be sure. And then they discovered that there was a woman named Sarah who lived next door to the hotel in the 1940s, and she was listed as living adjacent to 919 Royal Street, which is the Andrew Jackson Hotel address, at 934 Street. So they were like, well, is that the Sarah who was being called? Did she work at the hotel? Is she also the spirit who's seen tidying up the hotel? Or like, why was she there? Or why was someone calling her name there? It was kind of, no, there was no answer. But they were like, well, maybe we found Mm. something with the fact that someone named Sarah lived across the street. What we can be sure of is the hotel is haunted. And if you're looking for a ghostly encounter, you should definitely check into the Andrew Jackson Hotel or do a ghost tour like we did and check it out. 1,000%. I actually, wait, is this where the lady in red? No, that was the other hotel that we walked past.
1: Oh, 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 I'm getting the two mixed up. I feel like this is one that I'd feel semi-comfortable. Like, I'd be nervous all night, but I'd be semi-confident about staying there. Yeah, me too. Like, if you asked to go there, I would say, okay, so long as we don't actively choose the most haunted
0: room. Yeah, that's fine with me. I would like the most haunted room to, like, be empty when we stay so we could go check it out. Mm, to just peek. Mm-hmm.
1: I would love the room where the housekeeping ghost stays. <laughs> I think she's all over the hotel. I want her to do my laundry. I want her to repack my luggage for me <laughs> to get all the, like, little makeup out of the sink. That's a dream. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. See, so you feel like that's a lovely ghost, but if a cross breaks... If you're being terrified to the point where you're, like, packing up all your bags and running for the hills. I don't know. And I know the poor kids died horribly. But child ghosts freak me out. I'm stuttering right now. I'm so nervous by it. Yeah, you're sh- shaking. Shook I'm really yeah having a hard time thinking about – Well, I don't know. It was just that r- – not reading, but what is it called? Like, the investigation that you yeah. were just saying. It's just really got to me. I just don't really trust that it is well, those kids. And then it makes me concerned for the kids. Mm-hmm. Like what spirit? Is there some sort of collector or creeper type thing that's also there right. that's, you know, potentially threatening the, the spirits that normally reside there?
0: It is interesting because... I feel like a hotel like Andrew Jackson that is, like, so open about their ghost encounters. At first, I'd be like, well, why wouldn't there be stories about this, like, darkness? But then I was like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. bad for business. Like, you wouldn't want to tell the negative stuff. You'd only want to tell, like, the good, fun ghost stories to attract people. Because no one – I mean, most people don't want to stay in a place that might be possessed, you know? So now I'm kind of seeing your side. Because at first, I was like, well, maybe they're just, you know, they didn't want to be investigated. Like, they just want to live their life, and they don't want to be, like – poked and prodded by paranormal investigators you know like oh my god jesus what was that The door next door closing
1: i just saw your soul leave your body i think your eyes rolled back into your head it was so loud
0: (laughs) that was really loud it also like shook the apartment oh my god yeah i thought like a cat fell off of a (laughs) well piece of furniture leah is 15 pounds so she probably would make the same same (laughs) noise big
1: thud are uh, you okay i'm okay <laughs> is your heart gonna recover
0: from that scare i think so i hope so my gosh oh man okay now for the gust penis location <laughs>
1: surprise surprise they're gonna rename themselves i'm doing lafitte's blacksmith shop yeah I chose it not only because we captured a ghost penis there, but because New Orleans is one of the most haunted places, and so I found it only fitting that we choose one of the most haunted bars in one of the most haunted Mm -hmm. places, which is Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop. And to be fair, you chose it before we even caught the ghost penis. Exactly. I did this research. I picked it out and done most of this research before we went to New Orleans. Yes. So I did so because... One of my coworkers, after Hurricane Katrina, she'd gone down there to help and do community service. And she had gone to Lafitte's and she didn't experience anything there, but she heard of all of the encounters that people had had. And she was like, You got to go to this bar. It's so haunted. So much stuff happens there. People get encounters like in the bathroom, even. Oh my God. It's so haunted. And so I was like, okay, well, obviously I need to pick a ghost tour where we either get to go here or <laughs> when we go to New Orleans, no matter what, I'm going to rally everyone to go. To and go. so I'm glad we got to go and we
0: actually went in twice. So yeah.
1: that was great. It was yeah. a good pee stop as well. So it was if familiar with it,
0: we went in. And I'm glad we went twice because it was on the second stop that we caught the photo. True. True. Mm-hmm. The first one, absolutely nothing. nothing. second one, ghost penis. <laughs> Drink every time you hear us say ghost penis. Why is this place so haunted? Well, it all starts
1: back in the 1800s when Jean Lafitte, originally from France, he journeyed down to Nola with his brother Pierre and the two of them got into the business of smuggling goods and they started operating out of a warehouse and other buildings wherever they could kind of go and they sold gold, spoons, fabrics, slaves... And there's really not that much record of Jean's personal life. But one thing that I found to be a little bit ironic and horrifying is that while it's known that he and his brother did sell slaves, Mm -hmm. he was supposedly married to a freed black woman and had children with her. Oh, And so for my mind, it's hard for me to comprehend being able to do both. And like, how I don't know. Well, it makes me
0: wonder if the marriage was not a consensual marriage.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. And so one report says he married that woman. There's another report that he married some other woman, had like three kids. Mm. There's really not a ton of record in terms of where he operated out of what his personal life was like. But we just know kind of his involvement in certain events and kind of the general vibe that he gave in mm. NOLA. So, Jean, he was known to be also quite handsome and charming, which benefited him greatly in his career of theft, piracy, and murder – And then after the Embargo Act of 1807 was passed, which essentially punished Americans from trading with Britain or France, Jean and Pierre, they moved their operation away from New Orleans. They actually left New Orleans for some time, and then they moved their operation to Barataria Bay in Louisiana. And which is not far. Mm -hmm. So they found great success there. They decided to expand their legal business and become pirates, which is now what he's known for. So everyone, when they talk about Jean Lafitte, he's the pirate. And so now pirates, he and his brother and various other men, they take to the waters and they make connections with other sailors. They start building this massive fleet of people to all work with them and essentially be thieves together. Wow. So long story short, the U.S. Navy, they invade in 1814. So they find Jean Lafitte, they find his fleet, and they start capturing men, essentially. And so now they're in trouble. They were doing great for a while, but now they're in hot water. So then Andrew Jackson comes in and he's like, yo, I'm a general, I'm powerful. I have drama in the courthouse. And I have the ability to send anyone to jail. But I'm going to offer you a deal, Lafitte. In return for your legal pardon and the legal pardon, I believe, of his men, he, Lafitte, and his fleet would have to help defend New Orleans during the Battle of New Orleans. Which they did. Mm. And... Now, this relationship is a little bit rocky because apparently the British, they first offered John Lafitte a bunch of money to fight on their side oh before gosh. Andrew Jackson offered. And John Lafitte was like, no, actually, you know, I'll think about it. It's a lot of money, but actually, no, thank you. I'm actually going to offer myself and my fleet to the Americans. But then after he did that that's when the navy invaded him and captured him and then basically like forced him into doing what he already said he was going to do. So Interesting. I don't know. It's so much drama back then. So much. Uh, it's all around Andrew. So much. Andrew Jackson. He is a drama, drama king. Queen. He really really we're finding out that he was He's super dramatic. He truly was. Loves attention,
0: loves putting people in jail. Like, I-
1: I know. I feel like there was a lot of miscommunication. They really would have benefited from, I don't know, like a seminar or something back then. (laughs) Texting. Texting
0: would have been great. But um, clearly, it wasn't going great. There were no time travelers.
1: No, there were not. Well, 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 I don't know.
0: We might find a photo.
1: So the British, they attempted to access NOLA through the Mississippi River. And after a week-long battle and 2,034 British casualties and only 62 American casualties, the British retreated and America won. And then Andrew Jackson, he's celebrated. Everyone's like, woohoo, victory, victory. Andrew, you're so cool. (laughs) And then 13 years later, he becomes the seventh president of the U.S., Jean Lafitte also becomes a local hero, minus Ooh. the piracy and the killing. And now many landmarks and buildings are named after him, like Lafitte's Blacksmith Chop Bar. His nicknames at the time included Terror of the Gulf, that's scary, the Hero of New Orleans, and Prince of Pirates. So he was kind of all over the place in terms of his nicknames, and they all feel kind of loaded with different emotions regarding him so i'm not entirely sure how people felt about him Hmm. it seems kind of like a love-hate relationship for jean lafitte and the people of new orleans interesting and jean lafitte apparently he felt like he was shedding the title of being a pirate and he took on the title of privateer it's a pirate that's employed by the government yeah it's the same thing but one is just technically approved (laughs) by the government yeah exactly okay as if This life wasn't already exciting and dangerous enough for Jean Lafitte. He and his brother Pierre, they become spies for the Spanish during the Mexican War of Independence. Wow. Then, sometime later, he founds a new colony on Galveston Island, which earned millions of dollars through stolen and smuggled goods because he was a pirate. (laughs) And he also had plenty of help because people would come down to New Orleans. People would travel there, move there from from other areas or other countries. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a ton of great jobs. And and people were – it was really like packed with disease. There was yellow fever. There was cholera. There were battles, poverty. And so how tempting was it for Jean Lafitte to come say, hey, come join my fleet. Come join my fraternity of men and become rich. And so so many people did. John Lafitte's
0: fleet is just – I mean, he has to have a fleet. It rolls off the tongue. That's our Swamp Tour name, I feel like. John Lafitte's Fleet. Two girls, one
1: Swamp Tour featuring the boat called Jean Lafitte's Fleet. Okay. Maybe we should just buy a boat and call it that. Cool. Easier <laughs> than starting a whole business in a state we don't live in. Yeah. When I'm afraid of alligators. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so a whole lot's going on. A whole lot happens in his life. And though records of his life aren't really overly prevalent. We don't know a ton of what's happened. We believe he was at one time married, that he may have had kids. And the way that he died is sort of a mystery. People kind of are like thinking maybe he escaped somewhere. Some other people are like, no, he definitely died and is like buried in New Orleans area. Other people think he's somewhere buried in Louisiana. There's a million guesses. Mm -hmm. No one actually knows when he died or what happened but people do believe he he must have died back in the 1720s sometime cuz kind of dropped off the map after that but it's rumored that he and his brother when they were operating in New Orleans that they operated out of the building that is now Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop bar so Jean as the lead smuggler and his brother as a blacksmith obviously there we are, go. are the inspiration for this name but regardless of how long they were there or what they did there, the shop itself, this bar, is impressive as it's one of the oldest surviving structures in New Orleans built back in the 1720s Ooh. and is right at the corner of Bourbon Street. So it sees a lot of action mm-hmm. and a lot of action is seen at Lafitte's for it is haunted, <laughs> as you know, as and we've seen. it really does – look haunted. And one thing that I didn't realize when we were there, Sabrina, is that most of the building doesn't actually have electricity. Yes. And that's why it's so spooky because there's so many different candles lit around. And I kind of was thinking like, oh, atmosphere. But no, there's not a ton of electricity rigged throughout that building.
0: Yeah. That's why the bathroom was so hot. Oh, it was steaming hot. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't want to live there. So the first spirit scene by many, many people, surprise, surprise, is Jean Lafitte himself. He appears as a full-bodied apparition, so you see his whole ass body, and he appears in the bar on the first floor and occasionally in the men's room. And the way people describe him is a little bit creepy because people who see him are like, yeah, he never says anything to anyone. He just stands off by the side in a dark corner, lurking, staring at someone until the person eventually looks over, notices him, and then he disappears. He's just being a creep. Um, maybe he's the one who exposed himself to us. <laughs> maybe. Honestly, could have been.
0: He knew you liked pirates. <laughs>
1: Andrew Ranson still has my heart. (laughs) Sorry, Jean Lafitte. But sightings of Jean Lafitte, this is what's so wild to me. I feel like so many times when we talk about haunted places, it's like, oh, people have seen numerous times. And numerous times means like two, five, eight. Mm -hmm. But this happens really often. People see him all the time. It is – like if you spend enough time there, if this is your regular drinking spot – Chances are you're going to see Jean Lafitte. Wow. And if you're not going to the men's room, he's often around the fireplace entrance. That's where people see him most. And actually, while Spooky Lukey told us that we didn't have to worry about going in the ladies' room when we – clearly some people from our group were maybe a little nervous. Online reports do say that some women feel a flirty pinch from someone while in the restroom. Presumably Jean so the fireplace, this is where he is often seen. This is where he spends a lot of time. This is where myself and Scout sat as Sabrina took pictures of us. <laughs> and our tour guide told us that there was a man who was caught stealing from Jean Lafitte. I believe that's what had happened, what he said. But basically, as punishment, Jean put this man's head into the burning fireplace Killing him. Mm -hmm. And so now, when looking into the fireplace, people sometimes spot a full face of a man. And it's this man, this man who was murdered by Jean Lafitte in this fireplace. The guy has round, chubby cheeks. His face appears in anguish as if he's in pain. And out of all of the stops on our tour, our guide, Spooky Lukey, he said (laughs) that also, I don't know if we gave him the nickname Spooky Lukey or if he called himself Spooky Lukey. But if he ever listens to this episode, I think he might be horrified that we only call him. Only him.
0: Okay, to be fair, he did give himself that name.
1: I think he did. Didn't we say like what's your social media? And he was like spooky looky.
0: Oh, I don't remember that. Because I do have a brief memory of you making up that name, but then you told me that he introduced himself like that. So I don't know. I thought he did. It's possible. I'm gonna look up things are blurry
1: when you're scared and walking the dark streets of New Orleans. Yeah. So Spooky Lukey said that out of all of the places he's been – like, he's been in New Orleans since he was 16 years old. He's super interested, obviously, in the history and now is a ghost tour guide. Mm -hmm. And he didn't necessarily super believe in spirits before. But he said that out of the 3,000-some photos he's taken in this fireplace over the many years of him living there and the many stops he's done on ghost tours there, he's caught the face of this man in the fireplace – Over a dozen times. Yeah. And we did not catch a photo of anyone's face, but we did capture a penis.
0: Something probably better than a ghost face because it is the most on-brand thing for us. It looks like... You know in Ghostbusters how they're all, like,
1: green? This is, like, bright blue. This is, like, serious. And at first I was like, oh, well, it's the flame from the furnace. And then we realized, like, this furnace is not a electric, like, gas working furnace. You see all of it. It's just stone and soot. It's like a straight up
0: uncircumcised penis.
1: I mean, we'll post it on Instagram. People can tell us if they think it's just a weird trick of the camera or if they think we got a penis on camera, which I think
0: we did. I think we got a penis. It's like
1: the least scary ghost photo you could ever catch because you're just like, what?
0: What is this? But it's just like so, especially just looking from like this picture to the next, there's nothing that changes. There's no like weird lighting that could have caused it. It's just a straight up. I'm jealous up. that it's coming out of Scout and it's not coming out <laughs> of my nose. But it is pointing towards you. <laughs> pointing
1: towards my head. Interesting. <laughs> Well, Jean Lafitte, I'm taken, but <laughs> delighted that you exposed yourself to us, and now we can share it with with all our, of our listeners on Instagram. Yes. Okay, so moving past ghost penises, <laughs> going on upstairs to the second floor of Lafitte's blacksmith shop, there's another spirit who's rumored to be a woman who lived here in the 1890s. There's not a ton known about her, but some people think that she completed suicide on the upstairs floor. And that's why she's still there and and hanging out. And while John and the spirit of the fireplace man who he murdered show themselves quite frequently, this woman actually has only been seen a few times. So she's not super prevalent, but still talked about. But if you encounter her, you'll probably never forget it. Because similar to what you were saying in your story, Sabrina, she's known to whisper your name in your ear. Oh, that's spooky. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'd rather that Or see the glowing red eyes of possibly a demon that lurks around the building. So there's never a body, never a word, just these bright, piercing red
0: eyes
1: (gasps) going straight into your soul from the candlelit darkness No, and you see absolutely nothing else. That's really scary. I know. And I was just thinking like red lights, like kind of like when you hit an animal like a deer's with your headlights, you hit their eyes in the darkness and they kind of glow. That's what I was picturing. But people were saying that like – You'll know if you make eye contact. Like, it's very Uh, clear that the eyes will freeze on you. They'll focus on you. Your heart will start pounding. So unsettling. Yeah. I mean, you probably wish that you had another drink so you were a little less aware of your surroundings in this case. But you don't really have to worry too much because the eyes don't do anything. Okay. To my knowledge, no one gets followed home. No one gets attacked. No one gets scratched. No one gets anything except for this horrifying moment because then the eyes, after locking into you, piercing into your soul and staring at you, they fade into nothing. But rumor has it that these eyes are there. And you might actually want to befriend these eyes after I tell you this. Uh, because there's buried treasure. <gasps> And the eyes are guarding the loot. Oh, oh, it's buried in the bar? Apparently, yes. Yes, buried in the bar, some loot, or maybe a treasure map is buried there. I don't know. Oh my god, let's go on a treasure hunt. Treasure's rumored to be there, and these red demon eyes
0: are making sure that no one finds it, no one gets close to it. It's the guard dog. Can I just say, I think we found the treasure, or the treasure revealed itself to us in the form of a penis. That's the treasure. (laughs) We did find the treasure. penis, or ghost penis, is the treasure. He thinks it's the treasure. Do we think it's the treasure? No. it's not. (laughs)
1: additionally some people when leaving the bar turning around taking a pic trying to capture you know one last lasting memory of this beautiful place capture a spirit of a woman in all black on camera so i'm not sure if this is the same person from upstairs and maybe it's just the connection hasn't been made but there's a woman or two in this bar as well. So the spirits are a plenty in Jean Lafitte's blacksmith bar. The booze is a plenty. The patrons are a plenty. And if you're as lucky as us, you may capture the <laughs> phallic image of a dead man's
0: dong, dong, dead man's dong. That should be the episode title. Sabrina already wrote it in all <laughs> caps in quotes to make it the episode title. Dead, a man's, dead man's dong. dong.
1: Wow! But that is Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop Bar in New Orleans, Louisiana. Wow. Wonderful! I, I now I want to go back. How many times do you think we said penis in this episode? I think many,
0: many, 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 many. It's probably the most we've ever said it on this podcast. But it was about time that we said it in surplus.
1: <laughs> Surprising! It took us this long.
0: It's like we went to the Costco of podcasting for penises, and we bought in bulk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh now i'm searching for the picture i can't find it i have it on my phone okay i feel like you definitely texted I'll it to me text it to you again point. here i'm sending it right it's now. just great i can't wait to post this on our instagram so everyone else
0: can see it it's amazing because you and scout are just looking at each other minding your own business well we don't know yeah i don't know that someone's exposing themselves it's funny because this time i wasn't trying to take a photo for the fireplace. Whereas like when we first went in, I was taking photos just to try to catch something in the fireplace. But this time we were waiting for my sister to go to the bathroom. And we were just sitting by the fireplace waiting for her because there were two seats right there. And I was taking a picture of you two. And that's when I caught it. Yeah, we were just hanging out. So interesting. Mm -hmm. And truly the photo, the photo I took, right? So they're both taken at 10.04 PM. The first photo I took is the one where I caught the ghost penis. And then the second one is a live photo, also taken at 10.04 p.m., and there's nothing.
1: I mean, they were back to back, I remember, because yeah. we were sitting taken there. Taken
0: in the same minute. Should we send this to Spooky Looky?
1: Guest thoughts?
0: Yeah, do we have
1: his number? No, but we do have the number of some band whose number That's I true.
0: Got. They were amazing. I was like, where are you guys playing? They're amazing. Also, now that I'm looking at these photos, just saying, to all you vampires out there... How do you smile with your fangs? Because it was really hard to do. And I felt very awkward smiling with fangs. Also putting on
1: lipstick or chapstick and then trying to rub your lips together. Yeah, you can't because you, can't. you get stabbed by the fangs.
0: I gained a lot of sympathy for you, vampires out there. Yeah, are your fangs?
1: Are they just always out or are Are they they retractable? retractable? Like how do you,
0: yeah, we have questions. Let us know. You can be anonymous. Vampires was very much the theme of that weekend because we all had very delayed flights and spent quite a lot of time in the airport in New Orleans. You know, if you ever need a restaurant in MSY airport guide, I probably went to every single one of them. Gout and I were in the airport for far too long and we ended up watching Twilight and so it just became a theme. And then I got it home. It truly did. And I've now, since getting home from New Orleans, seen every movie of Twilight. Or rewatched. If you
1: are in the airport and you go
0: to MoFa, they're green beans. Oh, my are amazing. delicious.
1: <laughs> they were really good. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Twilight and green beans in yeah. the airport.
0: <laughs> Great combo. Okay. Listener stories. Listener stories. We have quite a few from New Orleans. So many from New Orleans. I think we
1: need to do a whole encounters with it. We won't do it next because we'll spread out some. Yeah, we'll some take a little tales, new, Yeah, But, yeah, we definitely have Well,
0: technically, this is kind of your birthday episode, so happy birthday. I can't believe I didn't sing it in the <laughs> beginning. So it's, Is it? Because it comes oh. out August 1st.
1: Oh, <laughs> happy birthday to me.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> because I made this about me, the next encounter is you should pick a theme, and we'll make that your birthday episode. Okay,
1: I also picked a birthday episode just for August eighth. Or wait, no, August whatever whatever it comes out, August fifteenth.
0: Well, great. So you'll also take an super- encounters theme. Okay, great. You get two because I want to keep my birthday pick. Oh, we can keep it. I'm not taking that back from you. So I'm making us do it because I want that topic. Okay, good. Okay, so this is a story from Kay, and it's called New Orleans Native Here, which is vampires and voodoo. Oh my. Hey, ghostesses, love the podcast and got so excited when on one of the Encounters episode, Sabrina said she was wanting to go to New Orleans. I live right outside of NOLA, which is what we Louisiana natives call it. Okay, well, now we need to call it NOLA forever because we're natives now. (laughs) And I wanted to share with y'all some great places the locals go to and also my very spooky New Orleans stories because let me tell you. Nowhere is spookier and crazier than NOLA. Nowhere. Also, the food. Yum. So good. So pretty much anywhere you go in New Orleans is hella haunted. There are stories of ghosts, possessions, vampires, witches, and you guessed it, voodoo. And since I have stories for days and this email could be a novel, I'll just start with the haunted hotels I've stayed in. And this is when I lived about an hour out. Once I was working an art show in New Orleans for the weekend, so my husband, boyfriend at the time... And I stayed at the lovely Frenchman Hotel located on Frenchman Street, which is known as the Arts District anyway. The Frenchman Hotel is a beautiful and quirky little boutique hotel, and every room is different and has its own unique style. The night we were staying, we got to our hotel room at about 1 a.m. after the art show was finished that day, and we were both so tired after setting up my art booth all morning and working it all that night. We were ready just for showers and to go to sleep. And the bed was so comfy, or maybe we were both just so tired, we both passed out immediately. That was until we were awakened by loud stomping and screaming coming from the room right above us. My husband and I both woke up and looked at each other like, what the fuck is going on? And once I was slightly more aware, I began to hear everything that was happening in the room above us. And let me tell you, I get chills just thinking about it. It seemed to be a young teenage girl screaming at her parents. At first, it seemed very normal. The girl was screaming, saying she hated them and how she wished they were dead. And my husband and I looked at each other and rolled our eyes and groaned about teenagers, which is funny because he and I were literally 21 at this time. And we both tried to ignore it and get some sleep. Soon, though, the shouting became literal screeching. Like, I kid you not, screeching, like an actual banshee screech. I could hear her parents trying to calm her down, but the screaming got louder, and then the screaming turned guttural. A deep, dark growl came from what used to be this teenage girl's screech. A deep voice came from this girl saying, I'm going to kill you. Jeez. Then she said, I'm going to kill you in your sleep and no one will ever know. Oh my god. (laughs) And then she laughed a crazy, maniacal laugh. The parents were saying, but we're your parents, you can't talk to us like that. And the mom, I presume, screamed and you could tell she was crying. And this girl was yelling, you aren't my parents in the voice and was taunting them saying, you're Katie's parents. And I looked at my husband and was like, nope, 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 we gotta go. I've had a few weird experiences with possessed people. Oddly enough, they've always been teenage girls, which kind of feels accurate though, right? And I was like, no way. I am hella out of here. And him being the calm one and the skeptic was like, it's fine. It's just a teenage girl fighting with her parents even though I could tell he didn't quite believe what he was saying. I told myself that was all it was so I could get some sleep, and I looked over at my phone and got a little chill. It was 3.30 a.m., and all of this had started at 3 a.m., the witching hour. In the morning, we went and asked the hotel clerk if anyone had reported any disturbances the night before, hoping we weren't crazy and that we didn't make it all up, and the hotel clerk said, um, Yes, there was. He said it uneasily. I asked if it was the room above our room, and he nodded his head. We asked if he knew what had happened, and he looked unsure and then explained that the police had to be called due to a heated argument between a 15-year-old girl and her parents. He looked like he didn't want to say anymore, so I said, Yeah, it was really weird. We heard the whole thing, and she sounded, um, almost possessed. My husband tried to laugh it off, but the hotel clerk looked at us, leaned over, and whispered, She tried to kill her parents with a knife. And they leaned back and acted like nothing had happened and goes, hope you had a nice day. I was so shocked. Still, anytime I pass the Frenchman, I think about that night. P.S. If you're wondering why I wasn't too nervous about sleeping in the room beneath a possessed girl, it's because I own and always wear a pendant I have that was blessed by an exorcist priest. I was gifted this due to some other crazy story, which I'll save for another time. And it's always protected me. I also imagined a white light surrounding my husband and I in our bed. This is also a great protection method for anyone trying to protect yourself if you ever feel uncomfortable. My second story is when my friends and I stayed in New Orleans for my bachelorette trip. Same Z, Sabrina. My best friend was super last minute, so she booked us at one of the only hotels still available on a busy-ass weekend in October. And my BFF always gets us into sketchy situations, so I should have known. Anyway, she got us all into a hotel called the Historic Streetcar Inn. Now, this place only has two stars, and trust me, that's more than it deserves. We walked into the lobby, and it was a super cute lobby, and the layout was sort of like a shotgun house. The hotel was locked, so we had to be buzzed in. Once we got to the main desk, the manager checked her list, grabbed our room key, which was an actual key, and went to go check the room while we stayed in the lobby. The hotel had a very creepy old house vibe, and that made sense because this hotel used to be an old Victorian house that was built in 1897 and was a townhome to a prominent family in New Orleans that they later converted into a boutique hotel. As we were waiting for the manager, a middle-aged couple burst out of the room and stormed to the front desk, yelling, "'Don't stay here.'" At this moment, the manager walked back in towards the desk, saying, "'What are y'all trying to do?' And the man screamed, "'Are y'all trying to kill us? This place is completely unsafe.'" The desk clerk was saying, "'Sir, sir, calm down. What's wrong?' The man said, "'The chandelier in our room above the bed, it fell. What if we were in the bed? What if it happened while we were sleeping?' The woman screamed, and the manager was so shocked and had no idea how it could have happened. The man yelled, it must have been faulty because the chandelier started swinging wildly and then fell on our bed. The manager was like, I can get you a new room, but the man was so angry, yelling no. His face was red at this point. No, we want our money back. There's no way we are staying here. The manager continued to apologize, issued a refund, and then asked the bellhop to help them with their bags. Once the situation was handled, the manager apologized to us and walked us to our room. Our room was located in the annex. They built other rooms outside of the actual house for more guests to say. Needless to say, we were actually relieved not to be in the main house with its haunted, cough-cough, I mean, faulty lighting. I was not trying to live the phantom of the opera getting killed by a chandelier scene. Anyway, the manager gets to the room and uses her key to open the door. And when she opens the door to our room, there stood a man rolling an empty wheelchair around. When he noticed us standing in the doorway, he slowly walked up to the doorway and stopped dead silent and just stared at us saying absolutely nothing. Excuse me, sir. The manager asked, how did you get in this room? Mind you, this manager had just checked the room before she came out and got us. And the guy just stared at her as the manager continued to say, sir, how did you get in this room? The man didn't move and didn't speak. And the manager turned to us saying, I'm not really sure what's happening since I'm the only one with the two keys and I have both of them right here in my hand and I also just checked this room and it was ready for your stay. So then she goes, let's get you another room. She walks us back to the front desk and as we're walking back, we turned around and the guy with the empty wheelchair was walking slowly behind us. The manager was so confused. Sir, do you need anything? And then she continues to follow him and she turns a corner and then looks back at us and says, he's gone. We all looked at each other, knowing full well we should not stay there, but also knowing that there were no other hotels that we could afford that had rooms available. So we waited as the manager double-checked her logbook, and as we were waiting for her, the hotel maid started walking by. She was very nice and started chatting with us as we waited for the manager. And I asked her, hey, so I know this place is pretty old, and I'm not going to lie, I get a super creepy vibe. Do you think this place is haunted? The maid goes, honey, this is New Orleans. Every place here is haunted. We laughed and agreed with her, and then she got quiet and said, I'll tell you this, I wouldn't stay here from the shit I've seen. Haunted is an understatement. Me and my friends all looked at each other, and were like, well, hopefully we will be too drunk to notice anything, and we just laughed it off. Hopefully we make it back from Bourbon Street alive, and everything's okay. That night we got back fairly early, like around midnight, and as hard as I tried, I woke up at exactly 3 a.m. and kept getting the creepiest feeling. I got absolutely no sleep and just kept imagining a white light around our little group in the room. And oh, also I forgot to mention the new room that we ended up staying in was located right above where the old room had been. The room with the empty wheelchair ghost. That room. Yikes. Needless to say, I got no sleep and when 6am rolled around, I woke everyone up so we could get the hell out of there. New Orleans is literally the most magical place, but keep your wits about you because New Orleans... Is the other side? LOL. Stay spooky, my friends. With much love, K. The
1: wheelchair ghost is. I can't. I don't even know how to make sense of this because it's not just like a quick sighting and then disappeared. Walks up to the hotel manager and is
0: just staring at her. Many seconds are going by. And the fact that this man stood there, stared at them, like walked towards them, didn't answer them. The manager was like, "Okay, like, well." Let's just go find you another room. Like, didn't do anything. I mean, maybe the manager knew it was a ghost, but didn't want to spook them out. But for it to then follow them and then the manager goes to check it out and is like, do you need anything? And then he disappears. It's like, that is a very, very active, high energy spirit. Also, I have a question about the wheelchair. Is the wheelchair always there? Was that part of the ghost? Did he leave that behind? It kind of felt like it was part of the ghost. Like, don't you think they would know if they had a wheelchair on property? Right. And just randomly in a room that she had just been in. Yeah. I
1: don't not like it. Oh, my it. gosh. No, this is so creepy. And it feels challenging. Like, the fact that this spirit just, like, walked right up and just stared at her. Yeah. Ugh. It feels like it's taunting her. Or just taunting anyone. All of them. I mean... It has too much energy for comfort.
0: I am glad, though, that it happened with the manager because had they gone up to the room by themselves and then like been like mm. setting up and then see this man like pushing a wheelchair out of the bathroom or somewhere else like I feel like being trapped in the room and then having that happen versus opening the door and having that man in there I feel like I'd prefer the latter yeah absolutely oh god just imagine <laughs> coming out of the
1: bathroom and just squeaky wheel of a wheelchair and you're I can't you see that guy Ugh. just approaching you out of thin air no way oh my god and
0: then that first story oh well okay yes. first of all oh i also gosh. want to research the old stagecoach in because it sounds like everyone has hauntings there or experiences yeah but then the first haunting holy
1: crap that is I no i need to know terrifying. what happened to that girl like did she receive the
0: right help for what was yeah. happening to her and it's also interesting because oh god jesus
1: i hate oh my god Ooh. Ooh. I, that even scared me i'm not in the room
0: microphone falling my microphone tends to fall but it always falls at the scariest times you need to duct tape your microphone to the stand i think i need a new like holder for the microphone oh my god literally always the worst time literally <laughs> <always>. <laughs> what i was gonna say uh. was what really makes me think that this poor girl and the poor parents i mean first of all but like what makes me think that she was actually possessed is the fact that Kay heard this girl say, you are not my parents. You're Katie's parents. You're Katie's parents. It, like, something else was speaking out from her. That's the way it sounds, at least. Like, I need – have you seen Conjuring 3 yet, the new one? No, I haven't. Okay, well, I really want you to see it. It's on HBO Max. so You can watch it. But there's a sequence when the possessed guy – This is not a spoiler alert because we've done the story on the podcast before. But when the possessed guy kills someone, but the, like, world that he goes into is so trippy and it's a possession, but it's, like, where he himself goes is so dark that it makes me think of, like, when you're in a possession – you're trapped inside like a purgatory
1: of your mind, yeah.
0: And then, like, the evil entity is making you see certain things.
1: Oh, so it's showing like where his
0: soul, where his consciousness, went. yeah, maybe
1: interesting. Okay, I need to watch, yeah. I'll watch so that we can discuss. Okay, thank you. And I also want to see, oh my god, why am I? I never can remember any titles when I'm <laughs> trying to. Context A Silent Place, too. Oh, Quiet Place, Quiet Place, Quiet Place. I want to see that one. I actually loved it. The second one, yeah. I love the first one so much. I still cry
0: thinking about the ending. I actually really liked how they did the second one because it gave you some context into like the before Quiet Place one. And then it picks up where it left off. Okay. I definitely have to do that. But regardless, these two hotels that Kay stayed in in New Orleans sound horrifying. Because regardless, the old Stagecoach Inn is 1,000% haunted. But then the first one, which we need to get the name Mm -hmm. of, was the possession because of the hotel? Like, was something dark there? Or did this girl... Bring something with her to the hotel. Okay. Before I read this email,
1: I remembered like thirty minutes ago as we were talking mm-hmm. that I had written down in the notes of my phone an Uber driver's <gasps> ghost story. Oh, and I wrote very few words. It took me quite a long time. Oh my to gosh, out what I was writing, but here's what I think.
0: Okay this was uh,
1: daytime like we were going to brunch we did like drink a lot
0: sober doing this oh you were sober. Um, i was like after brunch though because we were not after brunch
1: no but i was tired i was tired okay okay so our uber driver janelle she said that she hasn't really experienced too much even the Orleans is super super haunted and she's lived there forever but she said she was uptown on sixth street one night and it's right by i think two graveyards and there were a couple people outside and she just walked by and said hi and then immediately turned back around just like kind of you know get a little glance at them and they were gone like literally no one was there mm. she said hi to people that were chilling right outside of that cemetery that were not there Ooh. just a, 1 to 2 seconds later when she turned back around to glance at them <gasps> wow so these ghosts they're just hanging out they're, they're just all hanging over the, place, out. They're on everywhere. the streets in your sheets in the fireplace in the fireplace clothes and not <laughs> okay so i have one this is from ali and i'm wondering if she stayed at the same hotel as the last Star you just read the email from oh no okay she says hi corinne and sabrina i just started listening to your podcast and i absolutely love it i've always been interested in the paranormal and grew up reading ghost stories with my grandpa and sister Once I even got in trouble with my aunt because I told my younger cousin a scary story that I had (laughs) made up and he couldn't sleep for a week. That's amazing. (laughs) Anyways, when I was touring colleges during my junior year of high school, my mom and I went to New Orleans to visit Tulane where I ended up going. We spent the night at the Dauphine Orleans Hotel in the French Quarter. If you've ever been to the French Quarter, you can see that they really play up the paranormal there. Ghost tours, vampire tours, murder museums, apartment rentals that specifically advertise being haunted, etc. The hotel we stayed at is supposedly haunted by numerous ghosts. In fact, the bar of the hotel, Mae Bailey's Place, was investigated on ghost adventures, Which I'm a huge fan of. (laughs) Well, the first night there, my mom and I woke up at exactly the same time. This stroke of midnight. It was weird because there wasn't a sound or anything that really woke us up. It was just a feeling. We both felt like something was watching us. And it was creepy that we just both woke up at exactly midnight. My campus tour was the next day. So I forced myself to brush it off and just go back to sleep. The next thing was what really freaked me out. And still to this day, I cannot explain how this happened. First, I have to mention that I brought a small pink travel blanket with me to use on the plane. And when we got to our room at the hotel and I took it out of my bag, I folded it. I put it on the armchair next to the window. And now that you have that info, I woke up at about 6 a.m. the next morning. I'd been sleeping on my stomach like I usually do, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw something pink on my back. It was my pink travel blanket (gasps) sitting there perfectly folded on my back. I was so creeped out that I jumped out of bed. I woke up my mom. I asked her if she had put it there because I know I definitely didn't. And she said that she didn't and hadn't even got out of bed the entire night. It's been years since this happened, and when I tell people, they often ask, are you sure you didn't do it? Maybe you were just half asleep and you don't remember it. Well, my response is, if I were to put the blanket on my back, why would I leave it folded? It just doesn't make any sense and on top of that the room was warm as it was summer and summer in new orleans means a lot of humidity <laughs> i think it was the ghost because it's the only explanation i'm just glad it was friendly i also wanted to share info about for rent signs for apartments specifying whether it's haunted or not i found this cool blog post about it and it's chambersarchitects.com. Ooh. love the podcast and can't wait to keep listening stay spooky allie
0: Wow. Well, okay, it does sound like a nice ghost if it's putting a blanket on her back. Yeah, like maybe she like looked a little cold or just looked like she needed some comfort and they thought this...
1: You know, soft, fuzzy pink blanket would do the trick.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, this reminds me
1: of the woman in the hotel that you covered, the sort of the housekeeping ghost that she goes around and she tidies and she does nice things.
0: Yeah, I'm always fine with a ghost that does nice things. I figured we may want to end on a story like that. So that's why I picked this. That is nice. I appreciate that. Oh, wow. I love New Orleans. I want to go back. We need to go find Lafitte's Fleet's Treasure. The real treasure? Now that I know
1: that there's treasure there, I'm pissed that I didn't know ahead of time, didn't spend more time just, you know,
0: digging at the ground. <laughs> just Corinne outside the bar <laughs> with a shovel. For, like, where'd you get that shovel? Surrounded by ghost penises. Oh my gosh. Tons of them. They're all over the place. Wow. <sighs> There are plenty. Well, if you've been in New Orleans and caught ghost penises or seen any spirits or just been and want to tell us about your awesome time, or if you have any ghost stories at all or alien stories, whatever, please email them to us at one ghost podcast at gmail.com.
1: You can support us by rating and reviewing on iTunes, by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you listen, by telling all of your friends about us. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then we also have Patreon if you'd like to support us that way. We have merch on our website. You can follow us on social media as well. We've got TikTok. Now Sabrina's on
0: TikTok Uh because I made her do a TikTok. We have Instagram. We have a Facebook group with awesome moderators. And real quick, we want to say thank you so much to our editor, Aiden Manning at Upfire Digital and the whole team over there. We're so appreciative to have found you. Thank you so much for editing our podcast. And we will. See you on the other side.
1: Very smooth.